Well, I want to go ahead and get into this morning's talk. I'm really, really excited about sharing this with you. We just started a brand new message series last week, and we're calling this series Questions That I Want to Ask God. And all of us have those kind of questions. And I mentioned to you uh, before that it would be wonderful if we could just sit down across the table from God and just, you know, ask him, just say, God, you got an hour? Can I have an hour of your time? And, and uh, I want to just run some questions by you. And so what we're trying to do in this series is take some of the biggest questions that most all of us have in life, and we're trying to answer those straight out of the Bible. Now, in week one, last Sunday, we talked about how can you and I know the will of God. If you were not here, uh, that is archived. You can go back and watch that, uh, look at it, listen to it, uh, on-demand podcast, whatever you choose to do. We talked about how can you and I know the will of God, because it is indeed possible to know the will of God. So we talked about that. I'm not going to rehash that. But I'm very, very excited about the question we're going to raise today and with God's help try to answer because I think a lot of people have this question and uh, we're going to unpack it a little bit in the next few moments. And the question, are you ready? I think it's going to help us all as we address it is this question, what is God really like? I mean, what is he really, really like? And see, all of us have had our, our ideas about God and our theories about God and our thoughts about God have been shaped by a lot of different things. And to be quite honest, for all of us, probably if you and I were to just take a legal pad or a tablet, we just started writing out, typing out what we thought concerning God, there'd probably be a lot of things that we would write about God, what we think God is really like, and it would be with some great act. However, for all of us at the same time, and uh, there'd probably be the reality that we, over time, for whatever reason, whatever's influenced our thinking, chances are highly probable that we would have some erroneous ideas or, or thoughts or concepts about God. So that could come into play for any of us. That's why it's so important that we take a day like today and go straight to the scriptures and see how God reveals himself to us. What is God really like? Well, the good news is God's going to tell us in his own word exactly what he's like. Now, you and I know that we live in a time when a lot of people have a lot of different ideas concerning God. If I were to take you with me and we were to go somewhere in Lakeland today or in Polk County and we would just find a place where there was going to be a lot of foot traffic and we could ask people as they walk by, hey, do you have a moment? Give me 30 seconds. What do you think God is like? Well, I can tell you we would hear a lot of different responses to that. You could hear some people respond to that question, and their question or their response to the question would be like a lot of people have. Some people would say, well, you know, I, I can't really wrap my mind uh, around what God is like, but God is some kind of force or or he's like a, a vapor or a mist, or he's a powerful but impersonal presence. And some people would feel that way, and that would be an inaccurate idea of God. Other people would say, you know, and it may be some personal experiences and tragedies and pain that they've had in their own life, and they've sort of layered that upon what they think that God is like, and they would say, well, I'll tell you who God is. It seems to me, at least in my life, that God's like a mean old judge who just loves to punish and he loves to cause pain. Perhaps he even enjoys condemning people to hell. 
And anybody that would feel that way, and that would be their mental persuasion if they will respond in that way. Well, fact of the matter is, we would be sorry that they've had some life experiences and some negativities and some pain. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, that is not descriptive of who God really is. Other people would speak in terms as though God were like a distant, elderly grandfather, totally detached, totally apathetic, uh, and like in the sports world, who has just lost a step over time and doesn't seem to possess that kind of power and steam that he once has. In fact, as they would define who they think God is like, it would be as though God has entered into retirement and he's just kept back and just really not paying attention to what's going on in the world and also in our lives. And God is none of those things. So you are here. What I want to say to you is this. You are here on the right Sunday if you sincerely want to discover what God is like. And it's not because I'm smart. All I'm going to do is point you to something that you have available for yourself. And that's the Bible. And together we're going to search in the next few moments to see how God defines himself. Now, let me tell you where there was a transition that began to transpire, and and I'll touch on that for just a moment, and that is when Jesus entered the world, because when Jesus, and this is so important, this is so important, perhaps you've never thought of this, but you will from this point forward. When Jesus entered the world, he absolutely shattered the stereotypes that people had about God. Let me say that again, because I want you to be sure if you were momentarily distracted that you get that. When Jesus entered the world, when Jesus came into the world, what he did is he shattered the stereotypes that people had about God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus reveals who God really is by using two words. And he uses these words. The words are simply this, our Father. In fact, look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'll just read the A part. It's up here on the screen. Guys are going to put it there so you can check it out. Jesus is talking, and this is what Jesus said. He said, this is how you should pray. How should you pray? Our Father, our Father in heaven. So Jesus was going to shatter the stereotypes that people had concerning God. See, God is going to make it clear through Jesus, God is going to make it uh, clear through Jesus that uh, he wants to be thought of not as some distant deity, not as some mean old guy up in the sky, but that God wants us when we think of God, and hopefully that's often, Jesus is saying that God wants us to think of him as our father. Now, this is a fascinating idea uh, today, in fact, but especially was in Jesus' day, and I'll tell you why. And there's so many things I want to get to that I'm not going to camp out here long. And that is, if you just take Matthew chapter 6, you can check this out. If you take Matthew chapter 6, just that one chapter in the New Testament alone, Jesus uses the word Father to describe God 10 different times. You just say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, maybe it's not unless you consider that when Jesus uses the word Father in reference to God in Matthew chapter 6, 10 times, that is more than God was referred to as Father in the totality of the Old Testament. So think about that. In just one chapter uh, here in the Gospels, Jesus uses it more than the entire Old Testament does. That God, when God wants us to think about him, God wants us to think of him. What was for them, and maybe today it will be for us, a brand new thought concerning God, that he is like a father. 
So we need to debunk the idea that God is just some mysterious force or power out there in the cosmos somewhere. God wants us to see him for what he really is. And some of you, this is going to, you know, it's going to transition your thinking a little bit because God wants us to see him as a person, as a father. And that was uh, revolutionary when Jesus introduced that. So many, many, many years ago. Now, why is that important that we uh, think of God as a person? It's really great news to us when we think of God in the context of being a person. And the reason why is this. We can, we can relate to a person. We can. You and I can understand a person. You and I can get to know a person you and I can love a person, and God is saying this a long, long time ago through Christ to people that, and he's saying it to us today, I want you, when you think of me, to think of me as your father. Now, I don't have a lot of time to deal with this, but I would be, I would be derelict at my responsibilities if I didn't insert this into what we're talking about right here, right now. And that is to say that for many of you, I know this probably to be true because it's, it's true in so many segments of society that for a lot of people, the word father constructs in your mind a negative emotion or a negative feeling. And I'm so sorry that that would be accurate concerning you. I wish it wasn't so. I can't do anything about it. And maybe you're thinking along that line, when you think of father, and you want, you want that to be a positive term, you want it to be a good term, but for you, it's just not at this point, because your father was, if he's passed away, or is, if he's still living, when you think about your father on earth, your earthly father, you think about a guy that is moody, or a guy that is demanding, or, or somebody that's angry or abusive or absent or inconsistent. And I just need to say this right up front. I am. I'm terribly, terribly, terribly sorry if that, uh, that has been your experience. But you're going to have to work maybe extra hard to, when you think of God as a father for that to be a positive uh, way of thinking for you. In fact, those guys are going to put this up on the screen. Not too long ago, I read this book. It was by uh, Louis Giglio. And some of you are going to want to pick this up. So if you need to take out your phone or tablet and take a picture of the uh, cover of the book, you can. The title of the book is Not Forsaken, Not Forsaken by Louis Giglio. And the subtitle is this, Finding Freedom as Sons and Daughters of a Perfect Father. And he addresses this reality that a lot of times our image of father has been so negatively influenced because of an earthly father. And Louis Giglio does a terrific job addressing that. So I wanted you to have that available. I hope that you'll pick it up if that's your experience and read it. But what I want to do in the remainder of our time, straight out of the Bible, I want to tell you what God, our heavenly father's like. I don't know your earthly father. There's only one father that I really, really knew uh, really well, and he passed away a few years ago, and that's my own dad. So I can't really talk about your earthly father, my earthly father, but what I want to do is I want to just uh, take you on a journey to talk about who our heavenly father is. First of all, and I hope you're going to take some good notes, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Again, I want this to be what God is saying about himself and not what my thoughts are. So I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, and you'll want to get them down. So take some really, really good notes, whether you're here in this auditorium or you're watching online. Number one, God is, we're going to define him, God is a compassionate father. 
God is a compassionate Father, and that is one of the most outstanding qualities concerning our Heavenly Father, that God, when He reveals Himself to us through Christ, uh, wanting us to think of Him in terms of a Father, He wants us to know this about Him. He wants us to know that He is compassionate. He wants us to know that He is caring. Now, any child, any child wants to know that they are loved. Any child wants to feel that they are loved. And the beauty about God is simply this. The beauty about God is that God loves you. God loves me. He loves us outrageously, and he loves us unconditionally. Even when you and I are not lovable, even when our, in our own estimation, we don't deserve to be loved, God continues to love us nevertheless. I want you to look at these two verses. I told you I was going to give you a lot of verses. Be sure you get this. This is out of the Psalm, Psalm 113, 13, and 14, 103, 13, and 14. And the scripture says, as a father has compassion on his children, because that's what a good father would do. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows, this is what God knows, he knows how we're formed. How does he know how we're formed? Because God created us, and he remembers that we are dust. In other words, we're created from dust, and he knows our inadequacies, and he knows our imperfections. How well does God know us? God knows everything about us. And some of you are like, Jeff, it would be totally cool with me if you would just not remind me that God knows everything about me. But he does. He knows everything about us. You know, God knows everything about our past. He does. God knows everything about our mistakes. And man, I've made perhaps as many or more than anybody in this room. He knows about our weaknesses. He knows about our sins. He knows about our habits, but I've got exceedingly good news for you today. Even though God knows those things, even though God knows everything about us, God still loves us anyway. And how is that even possible? He loves us, not because we deserve to be loved or because we've earned his love. God loves us because he's caring and he's compassionate. Our heavenly father is a compassionate father. And because he's compassionate, he's concerned about those things that we're worried about. And I want to just ask you right now, what is it that has you so worried these days? Chronic worry and anxiety is prevailing in our culture. What is it that is worrying you? Maybe it's something to do uh, in regards to your kids. And you're like, you know, Jeff, man, if I could just tell you that story, I'm so worried about the, my kids or, you know, I see the path that my son is taking or I see some of the decisions my daughter's made. And man, I just see that the path that they're going down, it just seems to be a devastating uh, potential that is awaiting them unless they correct course. And, and you would just say, I'm worried about my kids. And some of you would say, well, it's really not my kids. It's really about my career. And I work in a toxic environment and, you know, people around me. And it's just unsteady and unstable and unhealthy. And, and, and you know, it's not a pleasant place to be. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I want to be here. I don't know that they're going to keep me here. And I, I'm just worried all the time. Or maybe you're worried about your marriage because some of the trends in your marriage. And you're like, you know what? We've got some big problems. and We better get some help. And you're worried about that. Or maybe you're worried about some your health because you've been to the the doctor, you've had some tests done and some initial reports that you're getting or some things that you're heard or possible things. You're just worried about your health or maybe you're worried about money. Like, you know, I'm going to have to earn some more money or I'm so deeply in debt. I don't even know how I'm ever going to dig out. Is there going to be enough at the end and just worry, chronic worry and anxiety and it's prevailing in our culture. And I just ask you, what are you worried about? 
Because most everybody in this building, and those of you that are watching online, you're worried about something. Now, what does God want us to do? But keep it in mind now, our Heavenly Father, and this is what the Scriptures reveal about Him, that He is compassionate and He's caring. So what does He want us to do with all of that worry? And the Scriptures speak to this. Take a look at it. You'll want to get it down somewhere. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries, all your worries and cares to God. And how can you do that? Because He cares about you. And he just says, here's what I want you to do. Everything that you're worried about, I want you, anything and everything that you're worried about, I want you to just give it over to me. You don't need to carry it around. It's too heavy for you anyhow. Now, when, uh, when the kids were small and they couldn't drive, uh, one of the things I love to do is I, I, love, to, I love to take them to school. And um, that, was always, that was always good for me because it gave me a little time and, you know, that we could just talk. And generally it would be one. It wasn't like three all at the time because they were scattered in ages. And so that was always a really, really good time. Now, it was a little bit different for each of them. I can remember Drew, who is our middle child, Drew, the second boy. Drew reached that stage. And if you're a parent and you've had a child that's already been in middle school, maybe you've had the same experience. Drew did not want me to let him out when I was driving him to school he didn't want me to let him out near the front door where all of his cool buddies were how many of you wave at me if you ever had that experience as a parent they they didn't you had to just sort of back up you had to like from here and then just let me out there and I'll walk the rest of the way now I could have drove him up there where all of his friends were but that would have just totally freaked him out so let me out back here and I'll, I'll walk and so I would do that now every day it's just sort of that mischievous spirit that God has blessed me with I would sometimes ignore that and I can't remember one time in particular that he'll never forget I promise the rest of his life that I didn't stop where he wanted me to stop, but I actually pulled up as close to the front door of the school as I possibly could, so saw a lot of his buddies because I knew a lot of his buddies, and I momentarily distracted him. We're parked right there in front of the school. I momentarily distracted Drew, and when he looked away, I reached down and I grabbed his hand as though we were holding hands all the way to school, and I lifted it up and I honked the horn for all of the friends to see. What a wonderful experience that was for me. And he never forgot it. Well, that was a lot of fun. It was fun for me. Now, Audrey, she was different. Didn't matter what, what age or grade Audrey was in. She just, I could drop Audrey off anywhere. She just never seemed to go through, through that stage at all. But there's something about Audrey that I'll always remember. Audrey actually started VCA or Victory Christian Academy when she was three and graduated from there. And then she went through uh, four years of Southeastern University. And now she's a, an elementary school teacher. And so, you know, that three, you know, from three, to now that just it, it felt like it was 12 months and so she was always fun and Audrey and I uh, we developed this habit uh, you know because we felt I talked about the will of God last week we felt it was the will of God to always go to Chick-fil-a on the way to school and so we would do that and she introduced me to honey roasted barbecue sauce at Chick-fil-a which I came later to believe I can't prove this scientifically that it has nicotine in it because I wanted it every single day 
And so I'd drive. But then sometimes when Audrey and I would be leaving school, if I happened to be taking her home, I'd have this briefcase. I'd just sort of pack up at the end of the day. And if she was in the after school program, I would get her. And there were so many days that Audrey wanted to carry my briefcase. She was so small. But for some reason, she just wanted to be like a big girl or something. She'd be like, Daddy, let me carry it. Daddy, I want to carry it. And I'm like, all right. And she'd just be struggling under the weight of it. And why was it heavy for her? It was heavy for her because she was so little. It was nothing for me. I was accustomed to carrying it every single day. What was, what was so heavy for her was so light for me as her father. And you know where I'm going with this. There's a lot of stuff that you and I carry around that are so heavy, 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 heavy because God never created us with a capacity that he would want us to carry around some of the things that we carry around. That's why he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cast all your worries and all your fears and all your anxieties upon me because I care about you. What is so heavy for us is so light for God. And he said, I'm a compassionate father. I'm a caring father. I want you to give it to me because our heavenly father is compassionate. He is actually mindful of every detail of our lives, everything. Look at these two verses. This is actually out of Matthew 6, which we referenced earlier. Is Jesus talking. He said, don't ever worry and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Everyone is concerned about these things. And look at this part. And your heavenly father certainly knows you need all of them. And that's the beauty of a caring and compassionate heavenly father is that he, he knows what you and I need. He knows everything that we need. Now, I'll address this later, but he finds great joy in meeting those needs. So God, number one, is a compassionate father. Be sure you get this next one down. Are you ready? God is a consistent father. God is a consistent father. I don't like having to say this, but a practical reality is such that earthly dads are not always con- consistent. Earthly dads can be unreliable and unpredictable and moody and unreasonable and erratic. And yet our Heavenly Father is the antithesis of all of those things. He is reliable and he is dependable and he is joyful and he is consistent and he is unchanging. I love this verse. If you've never seen this verse before, this is going to encourage you. This is such a great verse. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God who? Our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Look at this. He never changes. He never changes. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God never changes. I have really encouraging news for you today. God never has a bad day. Let me say it again. God never has a bad day. God never waits up on the wrong side of the bed. God never comes home from work and he's had a frustrating day. So he's going to take it out on everybody that's in the house. That is not God. He is amazingly consistent. In fact, he is so amazing amazingly consistent that even in times in our lives where we have been unfaithful, he has proven his faithfulness again and again. Why? Because it's simply who he is. Look at this next part, this next verse right here. If we are not faithful, and that's been true of us so many times, hasn't it? He, our heavenly father, will still be faithful. Why? Because he must be true to who he is. He's true to who he is. And that is that he is a consistent father. And because our Heavenly Father is completely consistent, we can rest assured that He does not break His promises. He never has. He never will. 
And every one of us online or in this auditorium, every one of us have been on the receiving end of some broken promises. And it really, really hurts when somebody makes a broken promise or, or makes a promise and doesn't keep it. And that promise is broken. In fact, I recently read that the number one cause of resentment between parents and children are what? Are broken promises. But again, that is never happening with God. And it never will happen with God. How do we know? Look at this. Back to the Psalms. Be sure you get this verse down. Psalm 18 and verse 30 says, God's way is what? It is perfect. All the Lord's, our Heavenly Father's promises, they all prove to be true. And we may have had the experience here on earth. And again, I'm not bashing, uh, you know, earthly dads. I am one. But God's never going to break a promise. God's never going to not keep his word. So God is a compassionate father. God is a consistent father. This is what we also know from the scriptures. Number three, be sure you get it. God is a close father. A close father. A lot of kids, and it's tragic, and it just saddens me to no end, that a lot of kids grow up with absentee fathers. Some, they don't even you know, spend time with their fathers at, at all. And sometimes even fathers that are at home physically or can be totally checked out emotionally and, and absentee in the real sense of the word. And you could interview any of my kids and they would be so quick to tell you that they have and had a dad that was not perfect by any means. But this is one of the ones that I worked really, really hard. And I knew I wasn't perfect. And they knew I wasn't perfect. But this, is, this was one of the ones that I worked really, really hard to be close and accessible and available. And that really mattered to me a whole lot. And I've been busy. Seems like my whole life. I, uh, you know, finished up high school early, graduated early, and started going with the rest of my buddies uh, through May. I was able to, you know, take some additional classes, talk the school counselor into that against her will, and she consented. And I was able to finish up school in January and laugh at my buddies from January through May while they were going to school, and I was not. And then I went to Southeastern University, would work between semesters and do things and was able to finish that about a year ahead of time and, and jump right into ministry and busy, 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 always busy, seems like. In fact, I've already determined I'm going to retire when I'm 92 and I'm going to slow down when I'm 92. I will. But always busy, even when the kids. But this was so important to me. Uh, you know, the kids participated in sports or school programs. And this is why. And they knew it. They, I would always say it was my mantra. They knew it. And again, I got a lot of things wrong. But this is what I got right. And I'd say as soon, as soon as you, as you get your sports schedule or whatever the case would be, be sure that you get it to me right away. Because as a pastor, I was busy. And I wanted to be accessible and close to my kids and, and uh, at their events. And so I'd take that immediately. Immediately, it would go on my calendar. I could be invited to a million and a half things, and I would always say, I'd love to be able to do that, but I can't. I already have an obligation. You know what my obligation may have been? A baseball game, a soccer game. Well, that was really, really important to me. Acts chapter 17 and verse 27 says this. Look at this verse up here on the screen. You may want to get it down as well. God has done all this so that we will look for him and reach out and find him. I love this phrase. Look at this highlighted phrase. And he isn't far from any of us. 
What is God saying? God is saying, this is what I want you to know about me. I'm your heavenly father, and I'm caring, and, and, and I'm consistent, I'm compassionate, but I'm also close to you. Our heavenly father demonstrates that he is close to us repeatedly. How does he do this? He proves it because he's never too busy for us. Look at Psalm 145, 18. Look at this on the screen. The Lord is close to all of those who call upon him. He demonstrates repeatedly his closeness because he finds joy. I mentioned this earlier in meeting our needs. Look at Matthew 7, 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And, and that's important to God. And God loves to meet our needs. We know that he repeatedly demonstrates that he is close to us because he is sympathetic to our hurts and our pains. Another verse, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Again and again and again, God proves that he is close. He, I'm never too busy for you. I want you, God says, when you think of me, to think of me as, as a loving father. I'm consistent. I'm caring. Uh, you know, I'm compassionate. I'm going to be close to you. I will meet your needs. I'm never going to be too busy for you. Every hurt or every pain, Scripture says that even when a sparrow falls to the ground, that God, a loving heavenly father, takes note of a tiny sparrow that falls to the ground. We've walked by on a sidewalk, see a little sparrow there. We don't think anything of it because we've seen it numerous times but God pauses and says that's part of my creation and I take note and then he says and you are so much more important to me than sparrows God is a compassionate father God is a consistent father God is a close father and then fourthly and finally God is a capable father what does that mean that God is a capable father it means that you and I can take our greatest worries, our greatest pains, our greatest problems, our greatest fears, our greatest needs to God, and it's never going to be too big or too difficult for God. I love being a daddy. I love being. Now, I'm not old enough to be a pawpaw, but I am one. How can you be 33, Dr. Hackett, and be a pawpaw? It's just unbelievable. I love being a, a daddy and... And man, I can just, you know, when the kids were growing up and small, just, you know, like I mentioned, wanted to be at every one of their games unless it was an absolute, absolute, absolute Katie bar the door emergency. I wanted them to be able to look up in the stands and see their dad. Dad may be busy with a big church and a lot going on, but he's never too busy for us. And he's going to be, and I, I wanted, that was, that was important. I wanted to be available to them. I wanted to help them. You know, when it came to their birthdays, we always, at Christmas, we always found great joy in shopping for them and providing for them. That's what we wanted to do. Still to this day, all there, they're grown there. You know, if they were to come to me and, and you know, there's certain things quite honestly I can help them with and other things I simply cannot there's some saying things I'm capable of doing some things I'm totally incapable if any of my grown kids were to come to me today and were to say daddy I, I really need your help all right what do you need I want you to help me develop like a written out detailed budget plan and help me get a financial plan together and help me to plan for the future and that kind of stuff I love I'm passionate about I'd be like all right now I'm really excited let's sit down let's take the paper let's take the pencil let's take the calculator and we're going to get a great budget and we're going to plan we're going to do this and this and we're going to set goals and plan for the future uh, man I would love that and I would be capable 
capable to, of helping them with that. But if they were to say, Dad, can you come over and help us fix the car? Now we have a problem. <laughs> now we have a problem. I'm incapable. I'd like raise the hood and say, you know, I think that's the appendix over there. That's the pancreas. I'm not quite sure, but I would be totally incapable. I, I would want to, but I'm incapable. I want to just tell you something. There is nothing that is too big or bad or baffling or broken for God. Can I say that again? There's nothing that you and I will ever face that is too big or too bad or too baffling or too broken for God. He's capable to meet all of our needs. How can we know this? We've got to trust God at his own word. We, got, we have to believe what he says. Look at this verse, Luke 137. I'll just rattle off four or so. In the next couple of moments, Luke 137 says, nothing is impossible to God. Maybe you're saying, but God, I've got you on that. I'm facing uh, an impossible health situation, a relationship situation, a job situation, a career situation, uh, you know, a money situation. This is impossible. And God just says, you know what? Nothing's impossible with me. Look at this next verse, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is there anything that I'm incapable uh, of doing? And it's like God is saying, this is what I want you to know about me. And Jesus revealed it. Remember, he just shattered stereotypes that people had about God. And he just said, no, what God simply wants you to think of him as being is your father, a father that is compassionate and caring. And he's consistent and he's close to you, but he's capable. In fact, he is the the God of unlimited power. And in our lifetimes, you and I are going to face so many things that are going to be too big for us. But they're never, ever too big for God. Look at this next verse. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through the mighty power at work within us to accomplish, look at this phrase, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Where God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not only going to meet your needs, I'm going to exceed your expectations of what I'm capable of doing. I'm not only going to meet your needs, I'm going to actually exceed your expectations of what you think I'm able to do. One more verse, Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And God said, I'm your heavenly father. And I not only possess unlimited power, I possess unlimited resources. I'm able to meet all your needs. And you can bring them all to me. I want us to wrap this up, but I want us to wrap it up this way. It's a prevailing question. It's a loaded question, but I'll just hit it briefly. Is everybody a child of God? Yes or no? And let me respond to it this way. Everybody is created by God but not everybody is a child of God. Does that make sense? Just because God wants to be our father doesn't mean that automatically we are. He wants that. God said, this is what I want to do. I want to reveal. In fact, I want to so reveal myself to you that I'm going to send my son to earth. Do you remember what Jesus said? This great verse. We didn't put it on the screen today, but we could have where Jesus said, he said to his followers, he said, if you've seen me, guess what? You've seen the father. When you see what I'm doing, that's, that's who the father is. And he wants you to see him as your father. 
a father that is caring and compassionate, a father that is consistent, a father that is close, a father that is capable, a God that is able and willing and longing to meet all of your needs. And see, God says, this is what I want. I want to be your father, and I want you in my family, but you've got to choose. Is everybody a child of God? Unfortunately, no. Everybody's created by God, but when it comes to being a child of God, we have to make a decision. See, you and I, in terms of our earthly birth, well, we didn't get a chance to make a decision. How many of you realize, you don't need me to tell you that. Hey, you didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your parents. Some of you said, I would have chosen my exact parents. Some of you said, I would have chosen anybody but my parents. You didn't get to choose your parents. You were in that family by a natural birth. But you and I come into a spiritual family by a spiritual rebirth. So God says, I want to be your father, and I want you in my family, but you get to choose. And we can say, oh, man, God, I wouldn't want anything more than to be in your family. God, I wouldn't want any more than to be involved in a relationship with somebody that is so caring and so compassionate and so close and so consistent and so capable. God, I want to be in a relationship with you. And, and friends, you've heard this before. This is not new to you. We do not need religion. We do not need religion. We do not need religion. Religious people nail Jesus to the cross. We don't need religion, but what we need is a relationship with a God that loves us. And that's what you need. That's what I need. Not religion. We need a relationship with our Father in heaven. And we get to choose. We didn't get to choose our earthly parents. They are who they are. But we get to choose if we'll come into God's family. The invitation is there. You know what you and I have to do? We have to believe and we have to receive. We have to believe that God is who he claims to be. Jesus said, you see me, you see the Father. Jesus said, every idea that you've ever had concerning God, I'm going to obliterate it because God wants you to see him as a father. But you and I have to believe that God is who he claimed to be. And then we have to receive him. And all of us, all of us, God says, I want you in my family. I created you all, but you get to choose as to whether or not you're going to be my child. And a lot of you have already chosen that, that you're going to be a child of God. But if you haven't, this is your day. This is your day right here in this building and those of you that are watching online. So would you stand with me? Everybody just stand. And as you stand, would you just bow your heads for just a moment and, and close your eyes? This will only take a moment. If you've not invited Christ into your life, if you've not invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins, see, that's the beauty of Jesus. He knows everything that we've ever done, every mistake, every, every sin, every habit, every hang-up, every addiction. He knows all of that, and he loves us anyhow, and he invites us into his family. But you and I have to receive the invitation. And if you're just saying, well, you know what? I want to be a child of God. I know I'm created by God, but I want to be a child of God. And I've never invited Jesus Christ into my life yet. I've never asked God to be my father. But I want to do that today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just lift up your hand real quick. Just put it right up in the air. Straight up in, straight up in the air. And then you can put it right back down. Thank you so very much. And just say this in your heart and your mind. Those of you that are at home watching online, you can do this as well. God, I believe that you are who your word claims to be. 
that you are caring and you are compassionate and you are consistent and you are close and you are capable of meeting every need that I'll ever face in the entire lifetime. I need you. I know that you've extended this family invitation to me, but today I embrace it. Today I receive it. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to be in your family. I want to know what it's like to walk with you all here on earth, but then one day to know that for all of eternity, I get to be with you in heaven. And so I receive you now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, can we give Jesus a big hand clap of praise? Can we do it? Whatever you do, don't miss next week. I promise you don't want to miss it. I love you, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Those of you that are new, stop by Guest Central. I'd love to meet you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.